Hello, this is Angie Meadows. This is The Rocker Recovery. We're coming to you from Expression Studio in Huntington, West Virginia. We're glad to have you for this radio show. Also be aired on my podcast called Rocker Recovery. You can find the PDF on enablersjourney.com. Today we're going to continue our study on the seven pillars of wisdom. The seven pillars of wisdom that I found in Proverbs is understanding, discernment, truth, righteousness, knowledge, instruction, and prudence. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and wisdom, the Bible personifies it as a she, and she guides us and she directs us. So when we can set up the pillars of wisdom, then we have the ability to guide our life according to wisdom. Now, there are other pillars that I think we could find throughout the Bible that would help us build our life on that firm foundation. We don't want our house built on shifting sand. We want our house to be stable and built on a rock. Just like it says in Luke 6, 47 through 49, Jesus says, Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show him what he is like. He's like a man who builds a house and dig deep and laid a foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that hears and does not is like a man without a foundation built a house upon the earth against the stream, which beat vehemently and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. So we can build our house on shifting sand or we can build it on the rock. And as we build our house on a rock, we want it first to be on the fear of the Lord. And then we want to add other things along with these pillars. Now, some other pillars that I could think about would be hope, faith, grace, love, and the other fruits of the Spirit. The love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And we could also build it on character. There are 49 character traits of Christ. And at some point, we'll go through all those character traits of Christ because I believe the character traits of Christ is the fertile soil that the seed can take root in. So if we plant the word of God in soil that's rocky or thorny, it's not going to take root. So we must dig our soil thoroughly, just like we were preparing a bed of soil to take seed for a garden. That's what our heart is like. So our heart must be prepared to receive the word of God. And Hosea says in chapter 10, verse 12, Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. So we must sow to ourselves in righteousness by doing right, by walking in good character. And Jesus has given us a good example of what that looks like. And we have to balance every character trait. Like when you study love, you have to study what God loves, what we are commanded to love, what love looks like, what love does not look like, what we are to hate, and what God hates. And as you study both sides of that, then you can make a very strong plumb line, a very straight line, so that your foundation can be set firmly. Every builder knows that if the foundation is not straight, if it is crooked, that the house will continue to shift and crack. And that's the same way with our lives. We must build our life on the straight line of God's word, digging deep in the foundations of our soul so that when the word comes in, it can take root. And we can water it. So I have to keep my heart weeded at all time. 
and grows weeds, grows weeds of anger and bitterness and discontent and grumbling. I have to keep those weeds out of there because they choke out the word of God. Now, as we're doing these studies, we're on our lesson number seven on truth. The pillar today is truth. I want it to whet your appetite. When I give you these scriptures on truth, I'm only giving you a few. And I want you to go and think about it. And then as you're reading through the Bible, circle every word that says true or truth so that you can get a really good understanding of what God's telling you about truth and about how to build your life on truth. And you can also do a concordance study. And you can study the different types of translations on the word truth and the different meanings of Hebrew words that were translated truth. And then you can really feed upon God's word. So our first question today is in John 1.14. Who was the word? John 1.14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So who was the word that came with flesh? Well, the word was Jesus. And what was he filled with? He was full of grace and truth. Now our second verse is John 14.6. Who is the way, the truth, and the life? You guys can probably answer that without me reading the verse. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So who is the way, the truth, and the life? It is Jesus. Now in verses 14.5, the verse right up above that, Thomas is speaking, and he says he doesn't know the way. So let's read that. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? So I'm here to tell you, if you don't know the way, follow Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Number three, John fifteen twenty six. Who is coming to us? When the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. So the one that Jesus is talking about is the Spirit of truth. He's the counselor or the comforter, which is also called the Holy Spirit. Now let's look at a couple more verses about the Holy Spirit so we can understand it a little more. In John fourteen sixteen and 17, says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you a counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. So Jesus is sending us the Holy Spirit to live in us, to comfort us, and to counsel us, and to give us this truth that we need to build our lives on. Now let's look at another verse about the Holy Spirit. In John fourteen twenty one. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. So the Lord will manifest himself or show himself to those who obey his commands. Do you see the condition? If you obey me, then I will show myself to you. So if you do not feel the Holy Spirit, a sign of maturity is to continue to walk in your faith. Whether you feel faithful today or not, whether the world's bright and sunny and the Holy Spirit is strong on you, or whether you are cold and desolate and dark, you continue walking in your faith no matter what. And you will come out on the other side of this valley. The Comforter will come. The Holy Spirit will come. The Spirit of Truth will come. And sometimes those dark days last for a year or two years 
for even half a decade or more. But as you continue to teach, as you continue to preach, as you continue to read your Bible, as you continue to get on your knees and you pray, and you just say, Lord, I will not let go of you. I will not let go of you until you bless me. I want to know you. I want to feel you. I want your presence in and with me. And I want the assurity that you are here. And the Lord will send that Holy Spirit, probably been there all along, but he will send it to you in a way that will illuminate your eyes and enlighten your eyes. Well, you will have this burning in your heart to know that the Holy Spirit is very near. But I know in my life, there was a time of testing where the Holy Spirit didn't feel near. I knew he was there, but he didn't feel near. But I continued to function and act just like he was, just like I did when he was very near and where I felt his presence. That way I had to learn to walk by faith and not by sight. Number four, John sixteen thirteen. Who will guide us into all truth and show us things to come? But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. So it is the Holy Spirit that will guide us, the spirit of truth. Now let's look at John seventeen seventeen through 19. What will truth do? Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. So the word of God sanctifies us. Sanctification means to separate us from the profane, to make us sacred, to use us for his purpose, to consecrate us wholly to the services of God. So when we come to Christ, we are justified. Then there's the process where we are being regenerated. It talks about it in Romans 12. It says, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So as we follow Christ, our mind will be renewed, and our bodies will become living sacrifices for the Lord to use for his purposes. And there is no greater joy that you will ever know on this earth than when you have been sanctified and set apart for the Master's use. That may sound silly, to a world or to the world who lives for themselves, but it will not sound like foolishness to those who walk in wisdom, who know the truth. Question number six, John seventeen twenty one and 22. Why do we need to be sanctified? Now let's read these verses. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. So in John seventeen seventeen through 19, it talks about sanctifying us, setting us apart for his use. And then in John seventeen twenty one and 22, the verses right below that, it talks about us being one with the Father and with Jesus. And when I talk about the Father and Jesus, I'm talking about one. Jesus is God in the flesh. Number seven. John 8.32, what sets us free? Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So what sets you free? Why, it is truth. So if we are bound in our sin and troubles, we should pray for truth. Sin is bondage, and it holds us captive. Jesus sets us free. The world says that freedom is being able to sin. But true freedom? That's the ability not 
to sin and to choose not to sin. If I allow sin in my life, it always brings bondage. It does not bring freedom. But if I freely serve the Lord, then I am free indeed. Now let's look for the secret in the verse right up above it. How to receive the truth in John 8.31. To the Jews who have believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. So the Lord wants us to continue in his word, to hold to his teachings. If you read it in the King's James, it says, Continue in my word, then you are my disciples. Number 8, John 8.44. Who is not in the truth. Now Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees. And he says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So who is the truth not in? The truth is not in the unbelieving Pharisees. Now the next question is, who is the father of lies? Well, it says Satan is the father of lies. And when we lie, who are we following? Jesus or Satan? When we're following Satan, when we lie. And I grew up with a habit of lying. I lied to get out of trouble. I lied to please people. I lied to say what people wanted to hear. And so as an adult, I was still lying. It was just a habit. I would embellish the truth. I would just go on and on. And I would know I was lying. And so when I came to Christ, I thought, now this cannot be. I must stop my lying. So I went to my husband and I said, you know, there are times that I lie. And next time I lie, I'm going to stop myself and say, no, that's a lie. And I'm going to change and I'm going to tell you the truth. And he knew I lied. And he said, yes, I know you lie. And that would be good. So I had to correct myself. Wasn't fooling anyone. I had to correct myself, and it took many times of humbling myself, stopping my speech, and saying, no, wait, that's a lie. But I try to purpose now that everything that comes out of my mouth is truth. So if you catch yourself lying, investigate your motives as to why you're lying. Are you lying to please other people? Are you lying to stay out of trouble? Are you lying to protect someone? Why are you lying? Now, there was a time that a pagan woman lied. And she was not condemned for it, nor was she chastened for it. And that was Rahab when she hid the spies, and she lied and said that they went out the other way. Now her lie protected them, and it covered a greater sin of murder. But I believe if she had been a Christian, that the Lord could have gave her words to speak that were not lies. I teach my children that when they lie, it's because they fear Mama, and not because they fear the Lord. That if they feared the Lord, They would be afraid to speak a lie, but they would speak the truth because they would have the fear of the Lord upon their lives. So it is very normal for a child to start lying around the age of five. And when they do, set them down, discuss it with them, talk to them about it, talk to them about their motive as to why they lied. Did they want to stay out of trouble? Did they want to get away with something? Did they, were they lazy? And you want to correct it right away. Otherwise, they will develop a habit of lying. And that habit of lying will continue throughout all their lives like it did mine until I found Jesus and then purposed in my heart to change and to clean up my speech. Now, number nine, Proverbs 6, 21, 3, 3, and 7, 3. Where are the three places we are to bind truth? 
So let's read these scriptures. Proverbs 6.21 says, Bind them upon your heart forever. Fasten them about your neck. So there's two places we need scripture, on our heart and around our neck. Proverbs 3.3 says, Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them upon the tablet of your heart. So there again, the scripture needs to be around our neck and upon our heart. Proverbs 7.3 says, Bind them on your fingers and write them on the tablet of your heart. So all three verses say, Write these scriptures upon your heart. The way that I do that is that I write it down. I tie it around my neck. You could also tie it around your finger, uh, tie it around your wrist. Then you can use the truth to break any bad habit, to break any temptation. Because the word of God is going to be the strength that you need to correct your wrong thinking and to deliver you from that temptation that's tempting you to do wrong. Proverbs 6.22 says, When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you are awake, they will speak to you. So the commandments of God will keep us safe and keep us in truth. Now let's look at number 10, Psalms 119, 105, and 130. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That was Psalms 119.105. In verse 130 of that chapter, it says, The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. So the word is likened to a lamp or a light for our path. Number 11, Psalms 119.148 and 151. What is the secret to having the Lord near us? My eyes stay open through the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promises. 151. Yet you are near, O Lord. All your commands are true. As we meditate upon God's word, he becomes very near to us because his word is living, remember? His word is Jesus, and in his flesh came and dwelt among us, and then he sent the Holy Spirit to live in us, that we could be one with the Lord. And as we are one with his word, we are one with them. And we can be united with Christ in our hearts. And he is very near. That is a precious place to be when your heart burns for the love of Christ living in you. So did you hear the secret for having the Lord near you? Is meditating upon his word, meditating upon his promises. Whenever you're meditating upon fear and anxiety and fretfulness and confusion, you are surely going to have a bad day. Instead, turn it around. Tie these scriptures around your neck and meditate on the word of God. If you don't know where to go, go to the Psalms. Hang out in Psalms 119 for a week. You'll find something new every day. Number 12, Ephesians 5, 9. What is produced in us if we walk as children of the light? Let's start in verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Did you hear what the fruit is? What it will produce in us if we're walking in the truth, if we're walking in light? It will produce in us goodness, righteousness, and truth. Now let's go to Ephesians 6.14. What is the belt in our armor? Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. So our belt is truth. And what are the other pieces of the armor? They are the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and prayer and supplication, watching with perseverance and supplication for all saints. 
Then we shall be able to open our mouths boldly to make known the mystery of God's word. Number 14, 2 Timothy 2.15 How can we know the truth of God? Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. So as we study God's word, the spirit of truth will guide us and we will be able to rightly divide the truth, which means we will correctly explain the truth. So rightly dividing the truth is what the King's James Version says. The NAV says we will correctly handle the word of truth. To present yourself means to study God's word. It's translated as study in the King's James. So do you study God's word? Well, that's exactly what you're doing right now. You're studying the word of truth, and you're going all throughout the scripture with me to study, study, study. So we have two more. Number 15, Revelations 21.8. Will we inherit heaven if we don't speak the truth? But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the adulterers, and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Now, I believe what he's speaking to here is a habitual liar, one that lies on purpose, one that intentionally lies to deceive others. But isn't it interesting that liars are placed right up there with murderers? Proverbs twenty six twenty eight. When I lie to someone, what am I saying to them? A lying tongue hates those it hurts, and a flattering mouth works ruin. So if someone is lying to me, it means they hate me. And if I'm lying to someone else, it means that I hate them. So when my children lie, I set them down and I confess my struggle with lying as a child and how I corrected myself. And I give them the opportunity to do a redo, to rewind it, to say it correctly. And then if they come before me the next week and I know they're lying, I look at them and say, do you think you need to rewind that and speak the truth? And they will usually take the opportunity to do so because they have just developed a habit of starting to lie, and we don't want that to form in them. So if the habit does develop, then it needs to have a consequence. So a lot of times the consequences for my children, if they lie, is that they have to help me with dishes for a whole week with dinner dishes, and that's a lot of work. And as they do dinner dishes with me, we talk about the scriptures on lying all week long, and that habit is usually broken by the end of the week. This is a very sobering study because I believe we were all born liars. We are all born of the flesh. So it is only the Holy Spirit that can help us to understand truth and to walk in truth, to walk by the Spirit and not by the flesh. So today I want to teach you how to turn scriptures around and pray them. Because it is praying the word that helps it get deep into our hearts, that helps it get on the tablets of our hearts, that we can meditate on it and then pray it back to the Lord. Lord, we just thank you that you have become flesh and dwelt among us. Fill us with your grace and truth. Let us not only come to you, but let us follow you and abide in you and dwell in you as you dwell in the Father. Give us, we pray, the spirit of truth to counsel us and comfort us. Sanctify us by your words. Set us apart for your use. Give us the heart to continue in your word. Let truth set us free, free from sin and bondage. Let us bind truth upon our hearts, around our necks, and tie truth upon our fingers. Give us the ability to focus and to meditate upon your truths and not upon ourselves or upon our problems. O God, let your truth lead us and keep us and talk to us. 
Let us purposefully place upon ourselves the armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the strong belt of truth, the shoes to walk in peace and carry a gospel across this land, a mighty double-edged sword, and a shield of faith, which is the word of God. When we meet others with struggles, grant us the ability to correctly explain the word of God. Help us to plant your words in us so deeply that when we open our mouth, the truth that lives in us comes forth and brings light and life to others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now let me give you some review questions. Who is the word? Number two, what does truth do for us? Number three, who is the spirit of truth? Number four, who is the father of lies? Number five, name two pieces of the armor of God. Number six, if we love someone, will we lie to them? Let's look at our outline. Jesus is a word and is full of grace and truth. Jesus is a way, the truth, and the life. The spirit of truth is the comforter, the Holy Spirit. He sanctifies us and he sets us apart to use us for his glory. The opposite of continuing in the truth of God's word is walking in fear, unbelief, lying, and waxing cold. There are three places to keep the word, upon our heart, around our neck, and upon our fingers. If we aren't abiding in God's word, what might we be abiding in? Well, confusion, depression, fearfulness, loss, anxiety, double-mindedness. The Spirit of Truth is the Holy Spirit, and as we yield to Him, He will be a lamp, and He'll light our path. He'll comfort us. He'll be our counselor and our teacher. And then we will purposefully be building the fruit of goodness and righteousness. We develop the fruit by planting the truth so deeply in our hearts through meditation that we are free. And that freedom is freedom not to sin. Now here's your memory verse, John eight thirty six. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And this is the Rocky Recovery. This is Angie Meadows. I hope you enjoyed this lesson today. If you want to hear it again, you can listen to it on Rocker Recovery Podcast, on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, and Pandora. And our website is enablersjourney.com. We'll see you later.